Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Yeah, I'm so excited to have back for the second time on this podcast, Dr. Kara Watto. Hello. Talk about Sjogren's. <laughs> it's something we haven't done like a whole episode on it before. So I'm so glad you're here. Can you tell the audience a little bit about where you live and what is your relationship to arthritis or rheumatic disease? Yeah. So hello, and thank you for having me back. Uh, my name is Kara. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, which is where um, the Ohio State University is located. Um, I work at the university. I am a practicing allergy and immunology physician. So I do see some patients who have what I lovingly refer to as misbehaving immune systems. More often, I am leading kind of treatment plans for people who have allergies, as the name would imply, but also immune deficiency. And one of the really obnoxious things about the immune system is it's not infrequent that folks who have allergies and or especially immune deficiencies are more prone to developing autoimmune conditions, and in particular, inflammatory arthritis, which is RA. And um, I was diagnosed with systemic Sjogren's in spring of 2019, um, which um, was both a surprise, but also some validation for things that I really had not been listening to as well as I probably should have in the years busy. leading up to that. Yeah. 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 And um, let's just actually just define so people have a framework. What yeah. is Sjogren's you yeah. know, disease or systemic Sjogren's? So Sjogren's is also known as Sjogren's syndrome, although there is a big push to really 
know it as Sjogren's disease or systemic Sjogren's. Mm. It is an autoimmune condition. It is actually probably equally as prevalent as rheumatoid arthritis, though most folks don't recognize the name. And I joke that's because it sounds like a chair from Ikea, (laughs) Um, but it affects 90% of the folks that it affects are women and it's hard to diagnose. So in about 60% of us, we will have blood markers that will kind of signal that the immune system is kind of misbehaving in this way. And primarily it will the you know immune system is recognizing and seeing um a lot of our glands that create moisture in our body as the enemy and also um, for many folks parts of our nervous system as well so a lot of folks will also have trouble with something called small fiber neuropathy or dysautonomia where your automatic nervous system is going a bit haywire so you may have increased heart rates or um, low blood pressure, things like POTS, which may be a little more um, commonly talked about now. Yeah. And like in my case, gastroparesis, which is a disorder, the slow, you know, slow um, gastrointestinal motility. It's interesting because I should say before we go further that I've never been diagnosed with Sjogren's. I do have a lot of the same, the symptoms. And as they say, sometimes, you know, autoimmune diseases don't like to travel alone. They like to, to have others hop along for the ride. But, um, but yeah, thank you for explaining that. Cause it really does. A lot of people have this misunderstanding that like, if they, if they do know what Sjogren's, um, kind of connotes in their mind, it's like, oh, that's just that thing that where your dry eyes. And the same yes, that people I mean, think that's that, what I thought. Yeah. For years. I knew the board question. The board question could be one of a couple things. It always was a woman mm-hmm. and, um, it included dryness. So dry eye, dry mouth, um, typically would be what would be in, in the question stem. And they also would talk about the specific autoantibody. So the immune system proteins that are found in the bloodstream that signal, you know, the immune system, not seeing ourself as safe, um, which are called SSA and SSB antibodies. Um, but those are negative in 40% of people that so, have Sjogren's that have Sjogren's so it's a really significant number, yeah. but the reality is over 90% of us deal with significant fatigue, a lot of body pain. We may or may not have inflammatory arthritis. Um, that's a little more hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Majority of folks will have digestion issues, whether it's trouble swallowing or trouble with, you know, kind of irritable bowel type symptoms. Um, and, um, and then the nervous system issues that I talked about as well. Those are kind of the main things and the other organs can be affected too, like the lungs, the liver, mm-hmm. you kind of name the organ it, it has the potential to go there. So it's kind of like with rheumatoid arthritis, people think, okay, they might hear the word arthritis. They think, oh, it's just joint pain, but similar to RA where maybe the initial kind of um, inflammatory process starts when your body creates antibodies to the synovial lining of your joints Mm -hmm. and tries to, you know, attack that it becomes then systemic, you know, over time and affects all the other organs. And so I like the idea of personally, no one's asking me, but to, to put the word systemic into the Shogun's name, because I think it's a. it connotes a more serious condition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for a long time, there was this, like, I, this concept of secondary Sjogren's. So could the Sjogren's <laughs> be a result of your rheumatoid arthritis or your lupus, but really the science has not pointed to those being true demarcations. Mm. Um, 
And so that terminology is falling by the wayside. Okay. And um, I, we are going to get to your story because I think it's the personal stories are always so helpful, but as long as we're on this linear route of like, what is it? What are the typical symptoms beyond dry eyes and dry mouth? I mean, you mentioned fatigue, um, small fiber, neuropathy, um, anything else that people, and then the autoantibodies, anything else like symptom-wise? I think, you know, the big things that will come up that I will clue me in to say, okay, should we check for this? Um, More often when I hear that someone has been labeled as having fibromyalgia, but there's like, maybe seems to be a little more to it. Um, I've spoken a lot with, um, there's another physician who is a Sjogren's patient, um, Dr. Sarah Schaefer. She runs this great website called Sjogren's Advocate. Um, But she and I kind of have this unofficial kind of theory that she started. And I tend to agree with that. There are probably quite a few folks who have been labeled with fibromyalgia that are what we call seronegative or normal blood work, mm-hmm. um, Sjogren's patients, um, mm-hmm. that will have, you know, this excuse me. difference in how we sense things, you know, through with that small fiber neuropathy, you may have loss of sensation or something called allodynia where like light touch is um, more painful. Um, also, you know, the fatigue is, I think one of the real characteristic um, symptoms that tends to be pretty pervasive and then um, those other dysautonomia symptoms so that I talked about. So slow digestion um, or other irritable bowel type things, trouble swallowing, um, getting dizzy or having inappropriately fast heart rates when you really shouldn't. Um, Those are other things that would come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that some of the people with rheumatoid arthritis, um, cause my audience list has the listeners all have a variety of conditions or their families and loved ones. Like my mom, she yeah. listens all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'll call her. She's like, I'm on a walk. I'm listening to the episode with, you know, this person, but, um, you know, a lot of people are probably putting some wheels, you know, the wheels are turning because yeah, like I know in my case, the first doctors I went to were the GI doctors and I was having trouble swallowing, felt like there was constant lump in my throat, dry eyes, dry mouth. And on addition to the main problem was the digestion because it was leading to like weight loss, unintended weight loss. But, but anyway, um, you know, so if you do, if you are listening and you, you know, suspect what, who are the physicians that do diagnose Sjogren's? Typically it will be a rheumatologist. The problem is, um, Sjogren's really has not gotten not really gotten much of the educational time in um, rheumatology training programs. So it is hit or miss. And there is a fair bit of needing for many folks to get sometimes second or third opinions. I also work closely um, in our department. Um, Typically allergy immunology is, is in with other non-surgical people at Ohio State, it is this really cool collaborative environment where I am in the same department as the ear, nose, and throat surgery doctors. That's and amazing. so in the next hall over, so the and the reason that's important for me is if I see someone that I'm suspicious about it, their blood work is normal, the next step in evaluation is to do a biopsy from like the inside of the lip. And it is certainly not the most pleasant procedure, but it is a pretty straightforward procedure that they can do with just a little bit of 
local anesthetic in the office um, to further evaluate for Sjogren's. So that would then look for inflammation in the salivary gland itself. Okay. And then neurologists are also commonly involved in diagnosis as well. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that makes sense. Given the symptoms. I mean, it's just, you know, I know a lot of us who kind of went through a pre-diagnosis, but suffering, a suffering without a diagnosis period. Often it's very much like cathartic afterwards to be like, they should have known, you know, I know you as a physician, it's like your feelings are valid, but also we should take just a moment and recognize how difficult the diagnostic process is for any autoimmune. Yeah. Well, and what I realized was, you know, I had this, this very small, narrow snippet Mm. of what I knew about Sjogren's and really, you know, 99% of all that I know about Sjogren's now has really come after my own diagnosis. Mm. And so that is really what has, you know, seeing how much privilege I had at, you know, as a patient, you know, being educated, um, having insurance, um, having a supportive spouse, having friends that are doctors, like your spouse is a doctor too. Yeah. Like, right. Like yeah. it, you know, it's like the perfect recipe. Right. But like, how can I use all that privilege to really, um, and, and also still struggling to get, you know, to figure out what was going on and to, and to feel heard and seen. Um, and so I really feel like it's my purpose to use that privilege to help others. And one of the ways in doing that is to help teach my peers what Sjogren's can look like. Yeah. Yeah. And to think think of it. That is so, first of all, we all, everyone who has these, you know, Sjogren's or similar diseases, we applaud you. I speak for everyone. No. (laughs) And I think that's amazing that you're, you know, cause you're busy, you're a busy mom of three. So (laughs) you've got a lot going on. So I, I'm, I'm yeah. Inspired that you're, you take the time to be such a great advocate in the Sjogren's space. When, so interestingly, and I know maybe this is a segue into kind of sharing my story, but it was within two weeks of my diagnosis that my, um, my now middle daughter, she was nine months old and she was diagnosed with, um, an egg allergy. She had a mild anaphylactic reaction to egg. And it was kind of this like, holy, you know what moment Mm -hmm. of like realizing that our family was very much just, you know, in this, just keep swimming mode and weren't really, we were letting life kind of fly by and happen. We weren't taking um, ownership or having agency in making decisions and how we were living. And so, you know, it's, it's certainly been very much a journey since that time. And it was not rainbows and unicorns right away, but slowly, but surely I figured out, okay, these are my values. I want to make career decisions that align with those. And that in that regard has made it a lot easier to know what to say yes to, and to feel a little less like uh, about saying no to things. Yeah. (laughs) That needs to be, we need the intervention, both you and I, because yeah, (laughs) we're both involved in a lot of things (laughs) and it's hard when you're so passionate, right? You know, then there's hours in the day. Well, and you see how much need there is like this system is broken. I did like a little Instagram stories yesterday 
And um, I was real railing on um, essentially how in healthcare, there's been a lot of vertical, um, essentially um, monopolies that have been built between wow. insurance companies and pharmacies, pharmacy benefit managers, all these different things. And um, I asked, you know, what other questions do you have about the system? And one of my girlfriends from college, who will remain nameless, she's like, how could we just blow up the system and start from scratch? And I was like, great idea. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, there are so many, yeah, systemic issues. And if you do, if you are so inspired, the national associations are often a good place to start if you want to really, because it's not, it's something that typically one person is going to be able to really move the needle very much on their own. It really is going to take like a team coordinated effort. So like, like I've gone to Washington DC on behalf of like the arthritis foundation or, you know, the the American college of rheumatology, they send patient advocates. And then that's easier because then they do all this research and they have lawyers and people that'll help you with like talking points. And, but yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal to find out it's a moral injury, you know, to discover that, Oh, well, okay. All these doctors and amazing people have like developed these treatments. Okay. So I'll just get on the treatment. Right. Oh no. The insurance is going to make me suffer more so that they can yeah. inc- improve their bottom line. It's, it's just evil. You know, yeah. why do they need more money? <laughs> They've made record so profits much- during the pandemic. <laughs> there's yeah. so much thought that goes into selecting a medication for a particular patient. Even something as simple for me as like an antihistamine, like I'm thinking about, you know, different factors. What is the patient's, you know, what are their goals? Mm -hmm. Um, Have they had side effects? Do they have other health conditions like liver or kidney problems that we need to think about metabolism? You know, how the medicine is processed. Um, Cost obviously factors in there. And a big part, a lot of times is me every like January, every year trying to figure out which, um, form, you know, which insurance plans cover, which medications, because that unfortunately trumps almost all things, um, especially as we look at these biologics, you know, which are so prevalent in RA we've yet to get them quite filtered over to Sjogren's yet, but there are quite a few that are promising and in like phase two and phase three trials. (gasps) Okay. Well, that was actually, okay. I put a little note to myself, circle back to, yeah, what yeah. are the treatments for Sjogren's? And then we can so, circle back to your personal yeah. story because I want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for most folks, um, hydroxychloroquine, also known as Plaquenil is kind of the go-to. Um, and occasionally some folks will be put on methotrexate though, maybe not quite as helpful. Um, and some of the other kind of, um, DMARDs or, you know, that, um, are kind of the older school ones, the newer biologics that have been like revolutionary for rheumatoid arthritis. And then also, um, several for lupus now have not been helpful, um, for Sjogren's at this point. Um, Sjogren's also has a pretty significant risk of developing certain types of lymphoma, which are, um, lymph node cancers, Thankfully, they are low grade, which means they are not likely to kill someone. Um, But obviously no one wants to be told they have cancer or have an increased risk of cancer, right? Like that is just about the scariest thing you can have when you do your little Google search, trying to figure out what you have. Um, But sometimes medications that are used for to treat lymphomas and other rheumatologic diseases are used. So rituximab is kind of a bigger 
a bigger gun medicine, so to speak, that will be used in more severe cases. Um, and that essentially wipes out the B cells that produce those autoantibodies or those proteins that are attacking the body. Okay. Yeah. Those, so those are the treatments that are actually going to like modify the disease on like a cellular. Well, okay. Then yeah. we're going to go down. This. But then the lifestyle, what are some of the lifestyle or non-medicinal? Yeah. So, well, and what happened with me is, you know, I'm kind of looking how I cope with stress and stressful things is like, you know, we all, we maybe deal with it with a little weird humor or, you know, <laughs> usually I'll go eat my feelings. But, um, I also like to get a little more analytical and kind of like, look, you know, pull up the research papers. And when I realized that there wasn't much in between hydroxychloroquine, which, you know, I had started, but also had been told it would take several months to kick in. Um, and rituximab, which for context, I see people who, um, I, I have a, a skewed picture, but I will see folks whose immune systems maybe have not bounced back after they take rituximab and need immune, like immune system infusions, like IVIG. So I, I see those folks pretty commonly, either maybe they got that medicine for cancer or autoimmune disease. So I have a, a skewed view of that med. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure some folks who've taken it, you know, many are like, it's life-saving. It's great. Um, but I, I just, I have only seen the bad things with it. So, um, I was like, what is there in between? Um, we know, and, you know, I kind of knew that there was good data for like heart disease and, you know, other inflammatory conditions, um, to help decrease inflammation through eating a healthier diet, exercise, mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness, and Interestingly, I was going back through, I was slowly this last couple of weeks going back through to see, um, get some things together to go up for promotion next year. And I gave a talk, um, like a, um, a journal club talk on a paper looking at the influence of diet on asthma control Mm. right around the time I was diagnosed. And so I think that probably was playing into my mind as well. Like, you know, it's all hindsight, right? But I didn't kind of yeah. think of it. Um, and what was really cool about this article was it looked at the diet as a whole. It didn't just look at a particular vitamin C supplement or vitamin D level or taking fish oil. Um, but there is increasingly data that would say eating a plant predominant or plant focused diet um, that's rich in various fiber is beneficial. And that of course has to be adjusted. If you're dealing with gastroparesis or other, you know, gastrointestinal issues, like you may not tolerate a high fiber diet so that, you know, that all has to be kind of personalized, um, minimizing things like, um, saturated fats. So fried foods, red meat, high fat dairy, those sorts of things, things, of course, as a lifelong Midwesterner, I love. And, um, movement. So trying to get some regular exercise, um, but not too much because too much is actually a bad thing. Um, and then mindfulness, there's like really good data to say that all the Mm -hmm. things that like, maybe we sometimes think of as woo (laughs) are actually really beneficial. Yeah. I'm all about mindfulness. It's, it's, I mean, it took me a long time because yeah, I was very defensive about the idea that maybe stress could influence my 
disease because yeah. I've been told you're just stressed as like right? a way to get me out of the office. Yes. Yes. You know, it's just anxiety. Then realizing, okay, now that I have a more like, you know, open-minded relationship with, with, in, in self-compassionate view of, of, you know, myself and better understanding of the disease yeah. process. It's, it's really evident for me that sleep adequate. Yes. Yes. Sleep, yes. Thank you. Sleep, sleep and movement That's my biggest and one. stress. Yeah. Like lack of sleep moves the needle pretty fast on my joint pain and uh, inflammation and, and high stress. Um, yeah. So. Weirdly enough though, this is a total tangent, but just in case you have anyone else, also gastroparesis or low appetite, when I'm stressed, my appetite's better. So I don't know what that's all about. Cause it's like, it's supposed to be like, you know, the blood goes away from your stomach Aww. and you're supposed to digest worse, but maybe <laughs> you're having a little increase in cortisol, which if we put people on prednisone, it makes them hungry. So maybe, I don't know. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> food for thought. Food, food <laughs> literally. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, no, it's empowering for people to, I think hopefully hear that there are mm-hmm. lifestyle, the same kind of lifestyle modifications that help with rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. It sounds like would also help with sugar. Yeah. And you don't need some, you know, fancy unicorn tears supplement that someone's trying to sell you mm-hmm. to do that. There is some data to support, you know, vitamin D. A lot of us are vitamin D deficient, especially, um, in areas that are, you know, kind of have drearier seasons, Ohio from like October to April, it's the season of gray. Oh my God. Um, you're talking to someone who lives in Seattle. Yeah, so same, understood. Same. Thousand and then, percent. Um, and then, um, omega three. So okay. that is another, um, one that there is some decent data towards and then, um, turmeric, like if, you know, some of those spices, like there are, have potent anti-inflammatory benefits, just mm-hmm. to make sure you tolerate them. Okay. Some of those, um, like turmeric in particular, too much of it can kind of cause some GI upset. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it, it, it definitely, uh, it increases motility, which yes, if you have yes, slow motility, exactly. that, can, is a very, that, be, that is a better way of putting it. Yes. That's, that can be a welcome change. If you're, if your system yeah, moves too slowly, absolutely. but if your system already moves fast, it may put you into too much, too yep. much of a good thing. Yeah. yeah. If you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease, listen up. I am here for you. I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks. And it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through, people who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. 
Each group is expertly moderated, so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T in capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. And then of course there's the eye for the, for the specific symptoms for specific areas of the body, yeah. like the eye drops and the mouthwashes, a lot of yeah. supportive care. So, um, I am admittedly, I do not do a great job of putting eye drops in throughout the day, but I have found, um, of all things, um, a serum that, um, helps my eyelashes grow, but actually, um, originally was developed for dry eye um, that I try to use most nights, um, that works, um, works really great for my dry eye. I think Wait, it's what do you put it, too. you put it's it just in like your little, eyeball or on the, on the, no, skin just on the lashes. Oh, like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like confused. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then a little on my brows. Yeah. Um, cause I'm also, um, you know, I like always, I, I, one of the things I think that was so sad for me prior to my diagnosis was I realized my eyes were dry. I was no longer able to wear contacts. Yeah, me too. That's why and I don't. Yeah. Mascara became really challenging to wear. And I was someone who never left the house without mascara. And it was to the point where I always looked like a raccoon Oh, <laughs> because I was rubbing my eyes. Right. Um, so I just, I stopped wearing it at one point um, for several years. And, um, now that I've gotten symptoms under back, back under control and found a product that has a lot less stuff in it, it's, it, um, you know, that's a, a topic for another day, you know, the whole, like the term clean beauty is not a thing, but, um, oh, yeah. there, you know, there are some products out there that are tolerated better. Um, in particular, like looking for one, like I found one that's was developed by an eye doctor, like, and she, her whole purpose of her company was she saw folks with a lot of eye symptoms related to their makeup Mm. and wanted to, you know, provide something different for that. But well, that's really helpful to know because yeah, for me, my eyes are my, I do do the, um, sustain ultra free drops, (laughs) which I love. Yeah. The eye docs will tell you if you are using eye drops more than three ish times a day, you really should use preservative free Mm -hmm. because a lot of times those preservatives can become problematic over time. Our immune system can kind of make a response to the preservatives. Yeah. That's really a good point about like examining your makeup products, um, especially for eye makeup or maybe even lip because lip dryness also, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with different, like moisturizing lip product. Like, 
um, because they are typically pretty dry. I mean, the other thing that's really important for Sjogren's is trying to take the best care of your teeth that you can. And admittedly, I did not do a great job of that growing up. Like we lived in, um, we had well water, so the water was not fluorinated. Um, and admittedly my parents weren't super on top of us with flossing. Like they were with brushing, they were with getting us to the dentist, but I had a lot of cavities growing up. And then in medical school, I didn't have dental insurance for some time. And I postponed checkups for a couple of years. And, um, during those years, I also was grinding my teeth because I was Me very stressed out. Yeah. Um, so did considerable amount of damage. Um, sorry. but, um, you know, one of the first things I ended up doing before I was diagnosed or anything was my dentist said, Hey, you got to give up diet soda. It's destroying your teeth. Mm. Um, so it's not the so, sugar. Was it the fake sugar? Or is it the, it's um, the carbonation, um, oh, okay. in large okay. part in, okay. um, and in particular with sodas, it's pretty bad. Oh, um, so I've been drinking kombucha lately, which is I know carbonated. So now I need to figure out, I don't know. I still have, I still have some sparkling water from time to time, but it's not like, yeah, I'm also using, um, like prescription toothpaste that has stronger fluoride in it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty religious about my flossing. Um, and my checkups too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I go every four months and even more often if I need versus most people, it's like six months, but yeah. I mean, that can be, I think if those of you are like newer listeners, I have an episode with a really great, like integrative dentist. Oh, awesome. Yeah. She's I'll, I'll send you her info. My I'm having brain fogs. So I can't remember her name right now. I'm sorry. That's very okay. But, um, but she's incredible. And she talked a lot about, um, like the gut, uh, the d- difference between your oral yeah. microbiome, your gut microbiome and developing rheumatoid arthritis. Um, yeah, she's, inc- she, uh, also is very like research-based. So she, yeah. Um, okay. Dental health, the oral microbiome and rheumatoid arthritis with Dr. Victoria Sampson, dentist. Dr. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put that in there. Yeah. I'm show. curious if she was pro xylitol. Most dentists I've talked to think that that's an okay thing and can um, be helpful. Yeah. There are um, a lot of the lozenges like dry mouth lozenges and even dry nose spray. Um, there's one called Exlear. They have xylitol in them, mm. which um, I guess my understanding is feeds like good microbiome. Yeah. My personal dentist had recommended it, but I just, yeah. Dr. The only thing it. to watch out for is for some folks with IBS, it can be a trigger. Yeah. It's like a so high, just it's to be conscientious of it. It's, it's on a high the maps. Yeah, yep. yeah. When I was being treated for SIBO, I definitely or SIBO, however you pronounce it. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, tomato, tomato. SIBO, <laughs> This is so helpful because I think, yeah, even you know, regardless if you have a diagnosis, like I guess this is something that some people get. This is a side note, but important actually. Like if you have already like a primary diagnosis of like rheumatoid arthritis, and you notice that you have these other things that may fall into a different diagnostic category. Like I remember I brought up Sjogren's to my rheumatologist. And at the time I probably should follow up with her because it was probably like 10 years ago. She was like, yeah, we wouldn't really change your treatment based on Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, if you're doing, you're following up with ophthalmology, you know, every year, you're getting, cause I get the punctal plugs too. Oh yeah. We oh, got yeah. The punctal plugs, the teardrop, yeah, teardrop yeah. plugs, you know, and she's like, we wouldn't do anything different, you know, but, but for me, it's like, kind of has to do with your personality, I think. Cause I like knowing, you know, I think I kind of want to get the mm-hmm. lip biopsy now, just, just to understand myself better. But is there in your, 
as a doctor, not that you're giving mm. me medical advice, but like, do you think it's, what should someone, if someone's listening, they're like, I think I might also have Sjogren's like, I think it's, well, if I, I definitely think it's at least worth mentioning to your team. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the questions I will ask my patients and we think of together is, will it change our management? And that includes how you think about things. And so I think that that is where that shared decision-making really comes into play. I've had patients go both ways and say, Hey, you know, I would rather wait and see I'm doing okay. I'll make some of these anti-inflammatory lifestyle things. Um, and their symptoms aren't so severe that, you know, I, I don't think it will necessarily change management. Um, I already have referred them and getting them plugged in with rheumatology just to make sure, because those are the folks that, um, really should be on board. Um, and then I've had other people that say, no, I really want to know I'm totally okay with, you know, a minor in office procedure. Like, let's do it. Oh, sorry. That depends who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I I thought that would be a question people are going to have. And, um, in, in, we will circle back to your story, but what, if people want to learn more, because it does seem like Sjogren's, you know, um, of all the arthritis people feel like, Oh, like psoriatic and ankylosing spondylitis are like the unknown ones. But then Sjogren's is like of all the autoimmune diseases, Sjogren's is like one of the lesser yeah, we're like the ugly stepchild. And I don't know why. Well, so I think Venus Williams did hopefully move the needle when she came out of as having Sjogren's. There were some great, yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Like, and also Carrie Ann and Ava and Halsley yes. also yeah. are, those are our three famous people. I didn't know Halsley just, I know she has EDS. Yeah. Yep. And, and, um, and suspected mass cell pots too. There was, I think oh, she yeah. had in her, her post a few months back, but yeah, where, where can yeah, people so learn more? A couple of great websites. So Sjogren's Advocate that I mentioned is put together. It's a totally um, volunteer kind of work um, from Dr. Sarah Schaefer. She's another um, physician who is a Sjogren's patient, and she is she is a fierce advocate for us. Mm-hmm. I am a total fangirl of hers. Yeah, um, she's an amazing human. Um, another place that's really helpful is the Sjogren's foundation. So Sjogren's.org, um, great, reliable information. Um, the other, if you are dealing with symptoms of dysautonomia, dysautonomia international has some really great resources. Um, or what about the association for autoimmune disease? I always get that wrong. Uh, yeah. Well, autoimmune association. Yeah. Um, well, Dysautonomia International has done some joint research funding for Sjogren's lately too, which um, made me like super excited because um, so many patients deal with um, with both. Yeah. Um, and then um, I have like on my site, I have more of the lifestyle aspects. Um, there's another um, doctor of psychology, Dr. Susan Masterson, who also has some really great resources oh, yes. too that are like more lifestyle related as well. But what about your Sjogren Summit? Yes. Can't forget that. <laughs> so um, April 1st and 2nd, we are, um, I'm hosting the second annual virtual Sjogren Summit. So last year, you know, we're kind of in, you know, in the midst still of pandemic dumb, right? Like we weren't traveling. I think so many of us were just craving human to human connection. 
And I especially was within the chronic illness community and specifically the Sjogren's community, because I saw these really amazing pockets, you know, and groups of folks with RA and POTS and mast cell and, and wanting that for our Sjogren's community as well. And I, I loved what the Sjogren's Foundation was putting on. Every year they put on a really fantastic educational um, conference which has tons of great information. That's another awesome event to attend. But I was looking for something that had more ability for that community to come together, for folks to interact more, in particular for medical professionals and patients to talk amongst themselves more, because I think that's the way that we're going to break down some of these silos um, between folks and build bridges. Um, and I also was looking for something that was uplifting and empowering to say, okay, here's what we have, but what can we do to make the most of it? And right. so we're doing it again. I learned so much the first year. Oh my gosh. No, this <laughs> so is this such year, perfect timing be because yeah. Yeah. Like I just finished up last weekend, the second annual arthritis life yes. extravaganza, similar thing, you know, it was, Fantastic. it was so, it was so great. It was so great. And um, yeah, it was a second time doing it. So it's funny because people can know, okay, the first weekend of, uh, the first of, you know, February will be the arthritis life hack one. And then yes. is, I don't know if yours is always going to be in April, but, um, that's, um, I think that's the plan. Um, I, this is, you know, heard it here first. I would, all, I'm also looking ahead. July is world children's day. In oh. last year, we had over a thousand people register, yes, um, and, folks from, I can't recall if it was 16 or 18 countries. It was like folks from all over. Yeah. And so, um, my hope is that it continues to grow and, um, we're able to continue to bring visibility to, you know, one of these invisible illnesses that doesn't get the screen time it needs. Yeah. I mean, was there even a Dr. House episode with it? There was one. Oh, there was one. I okay, looked it okay. up. Okay, good. Okay, at least we got one. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's wonderful. I know it's really, it's fun, but I know it's a lot of work. You're better yes. at, del or from my knowledge of you, you've, you're better. You've been, you're more advanced in your delegation than I am. So I'm working on that. That's my big goal for 2023 is to, you know, I either need to do less or delegate more. It's not, I can't overthink it. It's really, that is what it is. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, that is, I literally, we're, yeah, we're, we're human, right? Yeah, There's exactly. only so much we can do. Um, I actually was trying to write up some, some wording because I want to invite, um, Ms. Williams and Miss Anaba <gasps> and Halsey. <gasps> Sorry. Like I figured what the heck, you know, why not? Why not? Worst case happens. Oh I get no reply or they're like, you're a jerk. But I, I wrote in there, I'm like, I realize you're human and everyone is probably asking you for something, but we would yeah. love to have you in whatever capacity you, you know, you might be able or willing to, to join even, us. You know what they could do? They could just even record like a 30 minute, what, like, that, okay. Same page. Even just like a little, Hey, say 30 minute. I meant 30, 30 seconds. Second? Like yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I would like, be so thrilled. I know that's okay. So I'm putting this, manifesting this into the universe is that like, so Dax Shepard has psoriatic arthritis and yeah, he doesn't talk about it that much, but I, I'm a pretty dedicated listener to the armchair expert oh, so podcast. Good. 
So yeah. good. And he occasionally will just throw in something about it. You know, he's on a diet for his autoimmune disease or, and I would love to have him involved with something, but he's well, so busy. The but. thing, you know, with um, the Williams sisters, both dealing with autoimmune disease um, yes. and um, Venus ended up creating a, a supplement and vegan kind of protein company. Um, so she, you know, certainly obviously has been very health conscious with her career. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, although it wasn't discussed, you know, the, the role of medical gaslighting and their care, you know, certainly has come up and you got, I got senses from Halsey that she had probably similar experience. Oh no, she's talked to it. Yeah. 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 And so, um, and, and I know, um, Carrie Ann Anaba has started a whole website, like devoted to kind of health and wellness and has has talked about her more holistic Mm -hmm. approach to her treatment, um, of her symptoms. And so, yeah, I'm crossing my fingers and trying to that manifest some positiveness too. I'm like, oh, that's, the line. yeah. If anyone has any connections, contact out of water, but yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's, um, let's cool. wrap, let's do this finish. I wanted to hear more about your personal story. Yeah. So after your second born was born, yeah, you started yeah, developing. So, yeah, yeah. Josie, um, was about nine months old. I had gone in for a dental checkup, kind of that first checkup after having her and the hygienist was like, Hey, your mouth tissues are really dry. And I was like, yeah, my eyes are dry too. I should probably get that checked out. And I kind of said it tongue in cheek at the time. Um, but then I was like, I'm also just really exhausted. But when you have it, when you go from one to two children, it's like, how do you know if it's normal? Right. And I also was in my first year, I was, it was my first year of being an attending physician too. And so, you know, like that's also a a big transition, um, probably more so than, you know, some of those other transitions through Mm -hmm. my career and training. But what I was realizing is when I was sitting on the floor trying to play with Charlotte, who at the time was, um, three and a half, four, um, and Josie, as she was like moving around, when I would go to stand up from sitting like, mm-hmm. you know, crisscross applesauce on the floor, I would be hunched over like, like my grandma for mm. a good minute before I could like straighten back out. And it was, it was so painful that I didn't like, I, I didn't want to sit on the floor and play with them. Like I did, but I didn't right because I knew I was going to pay for it later. And it was kind of that combination of things coming together that I was like, I need to make an appointment with my primary care doc um, and ask for some blood work. And, you know, this is kind of where the part of like my privilege came in, you know, like I, I got an appointment, um, thankfully, like relatively quickly, I knew what labs, like I wanted to check, like kind of given my, um, my background but I still had to like push for it. Like, like she's lovely. And, and I think she was just doing it to reassure me and not want, you know, also not wanting me to have something wrong, but also like, I guess we can do that, you know, like kind of like reluctant. Right. And, um, in, and I, in, you know, in the meantime had reached out to, uh, girlfriend, um, rheumatologist girlfriend who I, you know, colleague that I love. Um, and was when my labs came back positive and she's like, it'll be fine. No, no problem. We'll like, we'll see you. We probably won't even put you on meds, but like, let's hear all the other blood work we need. Mm -hmm. 
And then I saw her when my blood work was back and she's like, yeah, about that. (laughs) We need to put you on something like, it's not, you know, like my, um, my labs were, were way off. Um, and so things that also can kind of go along if you, you know, if you're like wondering, um, and everyone's lab profile is a little different, but you can have a positive ANA, a positive rheumatoid factor, um, the SSA or B antibodies that I mentioned that are kind of the Sjogren's antibodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that they will follow pretty closely in Sjogren's, um, are your complement levels, which mm-hmm. are proteins that essentially get gobbled up if your immune system is, um, in overdrive. And so when those levels are low, it means that you are kind of chewing through that protein, you're using it up or consuming it. And that's not a great thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so those levels were low and I think that's what made her, if I had to guess, that's probably what made her a little bit more squirrely about my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really fascinating experience or kind of hard to put into words when someone has tried to reassure you by saying, you probably don't have this super, like actually scary yeah. thing. And then yeah. you have to be like, actually you do. You're probably, um, you're so young. You probably don't have rheumatoid. Okay. Actually, yeah. yeah. You have like a really severe case that is yeah. like, you don't even understand well, how you're like walking. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, so then, you know, here I am like trying to dig into like, okay, what, you know, after the initial little morning period, you know, what else can I do? So mm-hmm. being the type A you know, a plus student, you know, always I was trying to do all the things, you know, find this special secret sauce recipe to mm-hmm. make it go away. And so I was like working out really hard on the Peloton. I was drinking green smoothies with my superfood um, supplements. You know, I was doing all these things. Um, admittedly still really stressed about everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause that I didn't address yet. No. And us overachievers don't ever like to admit. No. And so then stress. it's like, you know, this is like May mid, mid to late May when I was diagnosed, you know, so we're going through summer. Um, and by labor day, I ended up, um, with a severe, um, inflammation in my liver that required a liver biopsy and this, the whole, whole shenanigans. You never want to be the interesting patient. I'm sure all of you listening already know this, but you never want to be the interesting patient that they're saying, Hey, let's send your liver off to the national institutes of health because we want to just, you know, double check or kind of make sure of what's going on. And, um, cause this inflammation looks funky. Um, but it's, yeah, you never out, want to hear that's weird. Yeah. Right. From my yeah, dentist saying that before like, mid filling, you're like that. Especially from the junior faculty that was your, um, on your team as an intern, like, oh, <laughs> I cannot imagine. Or like, it's I haven't seen this before, but yeah. Um, and, and um, yeah. So, um, it turns out the supplement I was on um, probably in combination with, you know, my immune system not being normal at baseline, um, mm-hmm. resulted in the liver damage, which has healed. Thankfully the liver regenerates very nicely, but, um, that was pretty scary. Well, and I think that this is another episode. I want to do an episode of how to not fall for a wellness scam because oh, yeah, um, we can talk about that. <laughs> that's a whole, I know you and I could talk for like 10 hours about this, but, and I don't, I, I'm not saying that the supplement you're taking was a scam. Like there are, there's a huge oh, but, continuum, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of people, 
you it know, had really great marketing. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. And they, and in your case, well, there's very few other things that are like available. Like, it's not like, it's like, oh, you have these like 19 different medicine, like evidence-based medicines mm-hmm. you can take, or you could try this supplement. Like if you had that choice, you would obviously probably have chosen the Western medication or the medication yeah, that was like- Well, and I, I mean, I was on the, the Plaquenil or the hydroxychloroquine already, but yeah, it was kind of like, well, is this going to be enough? Like- yeah. Yeah. You're like, why not? It doesn't, it seems natural. If it's natural. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, but I, I just think it's very, um, I don't know if this is going to sound like patronizing. <laughs> I'm on, I'm a little older than you know, but it's very brave of you to talk about that as a doctor, because I think a lot, there's a lot of shame. Um, yeah. anyone who's tried, who's gotten, um, who's gotten hurt by trying a natural, uh, method. Yeah, whether, well, yeah. what I think, you know, what frustrated me the most is when I reached out to the company, it was crickets. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's where, you know, I come from sharing my story is just that we need to be conscientious consumers because unfortunately there aren't, there aren't great protections in place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of have to do our due diligence as best we can. Yeah. I mean, then you've spoken eloquently on this before, but you know, the supplement industry is not regulated. You have no idea what's in that. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. And at least like methotrexate, you know, it's a known side effect. It's a known side effect profile. And that's scary to have to look it in the face that this might happen to you. But with Mm -hmm. the supplement, it's so unknown. Like to me, it's like, I'm like a freaky person who's like more scared of supplements. No, I think that that's actually where yeah. I am now, right. I do, I still take a couple of things. Yeah. But yeah. I also am like extra particular, like, yeah, you know, like it's stuff that has good science behind it. And that I, you know, I, um, like for instance, like fish oil, vitamin D mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, I admittedly was taking a, um, a hair skin and nail type Product. Oh yeah. Like the biotin. That, I don't know. Um, oh, sorry, I don't feel allowed to say it. it's, um, it's, I, I will say the name, but I, you know, not to endorse it. I don't get any kickback from them. Um, I've been pretty conscientious about that, but Nutrafol, which okay. is one that, um, at least talking with my dermatology colleagues, they kind of say, Hey, this is mm. like, if you're going to take one. There's pretty good science behind it. It's tolerated pretty well. And they have specifically a postpartum um, nursing oh, wow. safe, um, oh, okay. version that a colleague friend developed the formulation for. And so oh, wow. having, having had postpartum hair loss and then, um, kind of that stress hair loss after mm-hmm. I had that big flare, um, mm-hmm. right on top of one another, I had pretty significant hair loss. And so I was trying to minimize potential for that happening, you know, over and above the normal, um, after yeah. Ollie. So, well, and is there a name for what happened to your liver? Sorry, not to ask. The oh, very it was question. called an acute hepatitis, okay, but it's like okay. a drug drug induced liver injury. Okay, and, exactly. um, about 20% of liver injury is due to vitamins and supplements. Really? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I have a, a colleague whose child went into acute liver failure out of like oh literal God. nowhere, but he got, he oh. got a transplant and he's, Oh my God. But yeah, it was the scariest oh. thing. Anyway, you don't want to hurt your liver. No, <laughs> if you not that bad, especially. Um, not laughing, but just it's, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, you know, again, there are some, there are supplements that are more well-regulated. Like I take magnesium and vitamin D oh, yeah, Great. and they're from places that you know, my doctor's medical team, I, I make sure they know what mm-hmm. dosage I'm taking and they're verifying, you know, so it's yeah. not, I don't mean to like slam all supplements. It's just, well, it's really important. Like someone criticized at, at a feedback form for the arthritis lab hack extravaganza. They're like, seem like you guys are all like, some of you were biased towards like medications. And it's like, if you're talking about rheumatoid arthritis in particular, it's like, I have a moral duty to like, I'm not doctor, obviously, but if I'm giving you like general patient education, like I'm not going to pretend that there's equal evidence on both sides. It's not like a, it's not, yeah, it's not equal. Like the supplements don't have the same volume of evidence when they do, I will take them. And you know, I I'm the more motivated to manage my disease. Here's the reality too. When it comes to, you know, there's, there's this perception that um, doctors pick per- particular medications because we get like a certain amount back from drug companies. We don't. No. Um, occasionally, docs will, you know, maybe um, go to a pharma based dinner for like education or um, partake in, and all of this is documented. And you can actually look all of this up um, or participate in research that is funded by pharma. Sometimes their medications are donated or what have you for trials and so forth. You can look that all up at CMS, um, which is like the Medicaid, Medicaid service kind of website. And you can look up my name and see that I did get some help with travel to the national meeting when I was a fellow from some company. I don't even know what company everyone got from a different company. Um, But what you don't get in the vitamin and supplement industry is the transparency to say most of these folks are making somewhere between 30 to 50% commission on the products they're recommending. Mm, yeah. So they're not, I, they're I don't not- get anything for recommending Plaquenil or mm-hmm. methotrexate or Zyrtec. Yeah. I generally say generic is good. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, thank you. I think this really thank is, you. it's, I think if you don't take, you know, we can get into the weeds and and be like, you know, what percentage of what causes what, but I think it's like at the very most basic level for patients, I think if you're confused or overwhelmed with all the different treatment options, I would just say, don't only compare the known side effects of a medication with the (laughs) potential benefits of a supplement. Like you have to do a side by side, like of like the, and don't think that because something is natural, that it does not carry any potential harms because, you know, poison is natural. You know, I mean, too much oxygen, yeah, too much water. It's very hard to counteract the natural is better bias. And, um, it's, I think there's something in innate about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, um, there's a whole field. I actually very briefly studied it in my undergrad psychology. So not like even at a high level, but was like health, um, health promotion and health detection behaviors and the different kinds of framing, like gain framed versus loss framed messaging, like talking about toothbrushing. Like if you, if you don't brush your teeth, you may experience X negative thing. You may experience a painful, Uh. you know, cavity versus if you do brush your teeth, you will avoid the painful thing. It's like, uh-huh. there's, there's actually like different efficacy of different kinds of message framing. So those of you in like health, health, uh, epi- what is it? Health promotion psychology. It's really fascinating. But yeah. It's deeply, I think it's the cool. fact that you're putting 
something in like, I think the, the other element when it comes to like methotrexate, that's the one I think about a lot with rheumatoid arthritis. And it's like, let's just say not even about the natural supplements versus methotrexate. Let's just say methotrexate versus nothing. Let's say mm-hmm. you're just, you're scared and you don't want to start it. And you're going to see yeah. if the disease just gets better on its own or through exercise or nutrition, or, you know, vegan diet or whatever you want to do. <laughs> when you put something in your mouth or you inject it in your body, you are thinking actively about the harm that that could cause you and the benefit that could cause you. But when you're doing nothing, like you're not taking a medication, it's very hard to conceptualize that that is carrying a risk when you have like placebo versus nocebo. Yeah. 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 And I think people don't truly understand that rheumatoid arthritis is a progressive disease by definition. It will get worse if you don't slow it down. So you are risking you permanent damage. Yeah. Is Sjogren's yeah. considered progressive now that we mentioned that? Sorry. To I, um, typically, typically so okay. it's a bit nebulous. Okay. So first it's kind of like, I know like with MS, it's like, there's buckets, right? There's like yeah. the relapsing remitting. And then there's like the primary mm-hmm. progressive and then there's the, whatever the other ones. <laughs> so I'm not a doctor. I can't remember all that stuff. Yeah. It's been a long time since no. I studied. Well, anyway, so thank, I'm sorry. We went on my favorite, my favorite, uh, in oh, soap, not my favorite, all, all of them are my favorite children. These soap boxes that I like to go on with my amazing guests, but, um, but we should have another, yeah, another episode. If, if you have time later, or maybe a yeah. panel, a discussion about how do we wrap our heads around, you know, the wellness claims and you know, the, it's, Let's, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's do it for the summit. Yeah. I'm around I and then put- we'll, we'll put it on the podcast or something. Yeah. Cause it's really about being able to run like risk benefit analyses. And for each person, it's different. Like in an acceptance and commitment therapy, they talk a lot about like what's workable for you. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, you know, it might be for one person, like I thought of an example the other day, cause like one person might say, you know, I love going to whole foods. I have the time and the money to go to whole foods and cook and totally organic la 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 diet. And someone else might say in the context of my life, all I would rather not spend the time cooking and, and making the food and yeah. obtaining the food, you know, however I can not thinking about food. I'd rather take the medicine that achieved that could potentially theoretically Absolutely. achieve the same outcome. And there's nothing wrong or right about either one of those. Yeah. But, we, yeah. yeah. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and so, okay. Rapid fire time. This is the last Ooh. thing before we can wrap. If I, is that, okay. do you have time? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, this is when I get to put my pageant hat on. Yes. Yeah. Oh, put, put it, yeah. Put it on. No, <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> what are your best, what would be some of your words of wisdom? If someone's listening, who just got diagnosed with Sjogren's, like, mm. what do you, well, pep so my, talk. my first thing, and this is actually what we tell interns or brand, you know, brand new doctors is to take your own pulse. Like, what are you supposed to do before you run to a code? You take your own pulse. Um, does that so, mean like check in with your check in with mental yourself. abilities? Take breath. Just oh, take okay. Okay. Breath. Like, um, I didn't know that was a saying, sorry. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought so, you meant like check your own pulse and this is like me having a chronic illness. I'm like, Oh yeah. No, are you going to like, like, make you know, sure you're not having just, a medical. Um, so yeah. what I mean by that, you know, for, for everyone is just to like, take a deep breath and, um, you have already survived the hardest days you've lived through and you will continue to persist. Um, and, and yes, there are going to be great days and there are going to be real craft craptastic days. Um, 
that was going to happen with or without this disease too. Um, This is just, you know, a new, a new label. It maybe explains things that you have been wondering about. Um, and just, and just try to take a deep breath initially. I think that's so important. Yeah. And remember that, yeah, your life wasn't more valuable before this diagnosis and it's not less valuable, you know, but there's so much internalized ableism we have to fight, you know, Oh yeah. thinking, Oh, I'm less than I'm not, I'm not superwoman anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still have that complex. Um, the other, like in, in this is something that I think is just more of an overarching philosophy to be that's helpful for life. I am in the midst of listening to the book, um, the gap and the gain. Mm. And essentially it's this idea that in life we can measure ourselves against the ideal or the perfection, Mm. or we can measure ourselves from, you know, where we were and, you know, and kind of more of that growth mindset. Right. And if we can stay in that gain, which is comparing, you know, where we were and where we're going, being driven by, you know, things that we want versus what we need and things, you know, that rather than the gap between where you are in perfection, Hmm. that can be really helpful. And it it may not be ready. You may not be ready for that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. After diagnosed, right. But like just playing around with it or kind of experimenting with like, yeah, this totally sucks. Is there anything that is like, like even the slightest little, like slightest little glint of light in the darkness? Yeah. Is there something I can learn from this or grow from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. And do you have a favorite tool in your Sjogren's management toolbox? Mm -hmm. My water bottle, which I don't have right now. I have another cup, but I have this Awala water bottle again, not sponsored. Um, but it has like both a straw and it has like a, a spout. Um, so it's great for working out and I tend to gulp more water as opposed to sipping it. And so I think I stay better hydrated. It's also metal, which I appreciate, um, like stainless steel oh. as opposed to plastic. Cause I hate when it has that plasticky taste. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sensitivity. A lot of people have. And then you mentioned the gap in the gain as a book that you've liked. Do you have a favorite like movie or show you've watched recently? Oh, oh, oh. um, hmm. or I another book Emily in Paris. Oh, that's a, that I know that those ads always get me. I, has, I haven't watched it, but I'm the fashion like, oh. is so fun. Yeah. And, um, my husband and I got engaged in Paris. And so oh. like the city has a little bit of sentimental, like draw. Oh, so. We were pre-pandemic, you know, like years ago had said, oh, for our 10th wedding anniversary, we'll try to go back. Um, instead we had a third baby. So we'll yeah. get back there. Um, it just wasn't for our 10th. Yeah. You'll get back there. Yeah. 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 Happy 10th. Was your 10th last year? This uh, last September. Yeah. So ours was last May. Oh, That's so funny. Yay. Yeah. Yay. 10th. Yay for 2012. It's an auspicious year. Yeah. 2012 yes. was a good year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then do you have a favorite like mantra or inspirational mm-hmm. saying when things get tough or? That is a good one. I mean, this isn't like necessarily a snazzy quote, but what I've been thinking about a lot lately is that little bit, those little acts of rebellion that I would 
you know, do occasionally as like a teenager, you know, or I see like that little glimmer in my four-year-old's eye of like, when she looks at me and has that, like, <laughs> like, I know you told me no, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what I want. Right. I, I am trying to channel that energy and defy what people expect of me as an academic physician or Sjogren's patient or a mom of three or a pageant queen or, you know, uh, a business owner. Um, a nice so, Midwestern girl. Yeah. I really have been having fun with this idea of trying to disrupt others' expectation and, and, and really mix things up a little bit. You're, you're a rebel. I like it. I like just, it. Just a little, like channeling a little bit of that energy. Cause I think, um, I, you know, I, I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago and things didn't go exactly as expected or how I would have liked. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and it was just like, you know, like it, it was all that much more incentive to like really do more, be more, you know, like really see this vision come to fruition. I love it. I love it. You're going to like, you, you have such a like sweet and kind exterior. It's like, you're like covert rebel. I love like, just a sprinkle, like a sprinkle, you know, like, no, I think you get what you get. Right. But there's this little sprinkle of, you know, occasional sass, occasional, you know, like pettiness, just a little, (laughs) I like it. Cause it's about, yeah. Embracing you know, it's human, I, it's, like human aspects, right? Like yeah. we all have our faults and well, and being an advocate requires you, right? Cause an ad, you can, mm-hmm. being an advocate requires you to go, you know, to say that this status quo is not okay. I'm ad, I'm advocating for something better. You know, that is a rebellious act. And what's something that's bringing you joy right now? Mm-hmm. Hanging out with my kiddos most of the time. Um, <laughs> All the moms are like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, In particular, like, um, with my girls, it's bedtime story. Like I Mm -hmm. adore like reading with them, um, and doing silly characters and stuff. And then chasing after my youngest Oliver, he, um, I was, uh, and this is a little deep, but I was today reflecting on, you know, like my body has changed considerably after I had him, I still, you know, have excess, you know, kind of 20, 30 pounds up from where I was before I had him. Mm-hmm. And that weighs, you know, like, despite all the thought work we do, that's still like, you know, it's different. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of how can I, how can I like flip when I go into these negative thoughts, right. And overthink things like, how can I work on adjusting that because I, it's not how I want to feel. Um, but sometimes go into that circle. And so just like looking at his like joyful little face and like chasing after him, it's like, Oh, this is fine. Like, and I know that I'm eating healthy and I'm moving, you know, doing all these things I need to do and, and letting go of those, like, you know, preconceived notions of what is, you know, what I should be or what size I should be like that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that will, I think it will be helpful. Like just seeing that yeah. little, little, little smile. Well, and seeing the world through his eyes, like if you were 20 pounds He's lighter, would it, so would it mean yeah. anything? Yeah. Like he doesn't oh care. Gosh. Yeah. No. Kids don't care what you well, look like. Although he, my, yeah. 
he would, we're still nursing. And so if I were like forcing it and doing some of those, you know, unhealthy diet culture type things, it's just going to impact our, you know, that relationship I have with him. And, and I don't, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. That was in, in our room to thrive support meeting yesterday. That was a big theme of the ways that these rheumatic diseases or inflammatory autoimmune conditions affect, you know, what your body mass, whether it's unintended weight loss with rheumatoid arthritis, where you feel weak and small or yeah. unintended weight gain due to prednisone or just difficulty with activity. And, and it's hard. It's so loaded. It's such a loaded emotionally. Oh talk. So, yeah. 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 Thank you for, for doing the work. Yeah. yeah you're we're, doing all the work. The we're on the journey, right? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And the last thing, what does it, this is just a little meaning of life question. What does it mean to you to live a good life and thrive with rheumatic disease or autoimmune? So, um, the book that I'm listening to just asked me to do this today. Um, really for me, my focus on in this year in particular is making active decisions that are in alignment with my values. And I think that will be successful. So things that are going to allow me to spend meaningful time with my family, um, making, you know, decisions that, you know, are overall good for my health and well-being, so that I can be there for them, you know, those mm-hmm. and, and, and continuing to serve, you know, the world with, empowering education and building community in particular within the Sjogren's community. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, where can people find you online? Yeah. So, um, we updated the website. So, um, it's drcarawada.com and that's where you'll find all sorts of things where you can work with me podcast. Um, and I have, yeah, you have your own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The crunchy allergist podcast, which may we're in the process of renaming as, um, becoming immune confident. Yeah, um, I because that. I think that that better encompasses, um, what, what we talk about mm-hmm. and, um, so over at the website, you'll also find, I have, um, a, the crunchy allergist library. So essentially it is a list of a lot of the books that I have read and have really influenced how I talk to my patients, things I do with my own like life and things. Um, I got certified as a life coach last year. So some things kind of related to that, um, things that helped me in my lifestyle medicine certification. And so that is a great resource that y'all can hop over and download to get on the newsletter. I try to email like once a week or so, um, to keep people up to date on what we're up to. And then you should join us for the virtual Sjogren summit, April first yeah. and second, we're going to have, um, essentially a, a pay what you can option. So if you're, if you're unable to pay, like, um, you can get in for free. Um, mm-hmm. and one of my key values actually is transparency. That's one of my biggest frustrations yeah. with the medical field, um, and, and wellness industries. Um, and so we're calculating essentially how much it is for people, you know, like to host it on the platform we're using and then like the labor to go into it. So people kind of know how much it it actually costs. And then if folks, um, are able or want to, we'll be able to help, you know, pay it forward to someone who is unable to pay. So those are, you know, things that I'm really excited to, you know, like I said, just trying to make those decisions that are in alignment. 
I love that. I know there is something so to me strange about so many, and I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not calling out anyone in particular. It's just something I've noticed a lot of people that are like kind of starting their own, I think 80% well-intentioned people, maybe 99%, not people, not trying to scam each other, but like people are trying to do like their own health coaching business. or they have a system that they've developed that they think is going to help people with autoimmune disease. You cannot find what these things cost. You're like, where, what is the price? Like, oh, you have to hop on a discovery call with me to make sure that I'm, and I get, I totally get that for certain kinds of programs, like high ticket offers where you do want to make sure that the person's the right fit for you. But it's something to me is I'm like, look, my room to thrive program, like costs $400 or you can do the monthly payments. Like I'm, I'm not going to just be like hiding that somewhere. I mean, I did, I did took some, you know, when I started offering like paid programs, I took some business classes and I got all the advice. If I said, Oh, don't tell them what it is until you've created this insatiable desire for them. It's just not me. That is not my personality. And in my, my stuff has evolved in that too. You know, like you get this advice, but then you also like eventually start to stand on your own two feet yeah. and realize like, Oh, that doesn't sit right. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't sit right in your, your nervous system, your heart, your gut, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like I've been trying to like, let go of that and yeah. just lean into like, who am I? What do I stand for? And you know, take a, bits of the advices, you know, take what sticks and then get rid of the rest. And that's true. And I should, yeah, I should reframe what I'm saying to say that if that feels in alignment to you and your values sure. and that, and that makes sense to you, there's no problem with that. It's just for me, it's like, as the potential client, I'm like, I am left feeling confused and concerned if somebody has yeah. buried the price of their programs and made it so that you have to talk to them before getting it. That to mm-hmm. me is that to me, I, that doesn't resonate to me. And that I'm not that person's yeah. ideal client, you know, so that's yeah. okay. People find who yeah. they are meant to learn from. So <laughs> I just, it's so funny. I keep seeing it. I'm like, Oh, I'm just curious about this program. Like, cause I might, you know, I often will tell people like, cause I, my room to thrive is really a comprehensive overview, you know, of the tools to manage pain and fatigue and the lifestyle factors. But it's not a deep dive into any one of them, you know? So if that's what, if you want a nutrition only program, you know, if you want, like, I want to take 12 weeks and delve into that. Like I have, I will refer people to specific programs, but I want to like, know that it's something that's not like exorbitant for the person or that it's, you know, I want to be able to just understand yeah, the, the general pricing. And I'm like, why are you not telling me what you think costs? I'm so confused. Anyway, sorry, little rant, side rant. But, um, okay. So thank you for your time. Thank you. <laughs> over it's so fun. Yeah, no, it's so fun. We have so much to talk about. We actually did stay pretty on schedule in terms of like content, what we talked about, but, um, I loved their little side rant about the American healthcare system. And then the wellness kind of wow. pros and cons, like obviously there, there's a, the reason so many people with autoimmune diseases turn to the kind of the wellness industry is that they're not getting adequately searched by traditional health care, you know? I'm sorry, 20 minutes every three months with a rheumatologist, no matter how angelic my rheumatologist is. She's literally an angel. She's like the most wonderful, beautiful person. It's not enough time. (laughs) Like you can't tell, set people off. It's like, what if you had cancer? Like, okay, just come back in five months. Like you're like, what are they supposed to do? uh, Yeah. Anyway, sorry, sideline. So you're doing amazing work. I am excited for the Sjogren Summit and I will let you go because you have a million. And we'll chat about who, um, how we want to do the panel. 
Yay. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you. You too.